Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome in to everyone watching or listening live or on demand. This is the Makeshift Managers Podcast. I am Austin. That is Devin. I'm this here. is too close, and this is just right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we man. are back after draft weekend week, whatever you want to call it. Drafts, the draft extravaganza, the uh, event heard around the world. It was a wild draft this year. Um, really was. We, we got some things right. The world got a lot of stuff wrong. So I think <laughs> we're just going to hop into it. It, it. it was very interesting, to say the least, uh, last Thursday night. Yeah, so we will hold ourselves accountable. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, our first round mock draft that we did if we didn't watch last week. So we'll just quickly go through this. We got the first two right. Trayvon and Aiden Hutchinson. I think that was kind of the easier two picks unless one of those moved out, but I didn't really see either of those teams moving out at that point. I feel like those are the two of the top edge rushers and that's always key in football. Uh So not going to complain about what the lions and the Jaguars did there three instead of E uh, E chem, the Texans went Derek Stingley junior, which I thought was a really good pick. Uh, Yeah. I've, it's interesting because I felt like I wanted to give him a tackle there because I think they need to, I thought protecting Davis Mills was the strongest play out of them all to give Mills the one year kind of he has to either be like, Hey, you're either a quarterback of the future or we're going to be the first pick next year. We got to take a quarterback. Yeah. Looking back on it, the, the big play here. Um, as good as the tackle prospects were in this year's draft, I'm not sure if they were as good as last year's tackle class, at least at the top two spots. Yeah. Because, yes, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, and Iki Iquanu, they all three of those dudes could be the next Trish, Tristan Wirfs or even a guy like R- Rashawn Slater or even a Panay Sewell. But I respect them going perimeter guy in uh, Stingley. If we were having the conversation about Derek Stingley two years ago, he would have argued been the, been the first pick in the draft. Uh, his freshman year at LSU, he was the best corner in football, and it wasn't relatively close. So I think he was a little bit overlooked after this uh, media circus and hype train behind Sauce Gardner kind of took off. It was just yeah. a foregone conclusion that Sauce would be the pick at four, and wherever Stingley fell, it would make complete sense because he's that talented. And especially in today's NFL, where either you need to stop your opponent's quarterback by putting them into the ground or stop their receivers from catching the ball, Stingley makes a lot of sense. And I think a big thing here for us, like I'll take this as one of the biggest wins we've had on the podcast. We went nine for 10 in terms of names of players that were called in the top 10. We didn't get the complete order right, but we got it was always going to be tough to get that part for sure um aside from drake london we got every single name in the top 10 to a t and we nailed uh a solid number of the actual individuals that were taken in spots because we got walker hutchinson gardner i believe cross if i'm correct or no cross fell cross fell no? i believe yeah 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 cuz icky went to yeah the panthers got aquanu okay Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So, so then here's, we here's got my question. Stingley yep. went third. Yeah. If you were going to take Stingley, why would you just not take Sauce Gardner at that point? Is, isn't Sauce Gardner technically the better prospect in that situation? Um, the biggest problem with Sauce, in my opinion, is as good as his production was 
on the field in college. He was playing in the American Conference of college football. Derek Stingley was playing in the SEC for the last three years. So regardless of how hurt he was or how worse off he looked compared to that freshman year, the competition Derek Stingley lined up against any given Saturday was just inherently better than what Sauce Gardner was put in front of him. And that's not Sauce Gardner's fault. Yeah. Caliber of receiver in the SEC is far more talented and dynamic than what you will see out in the American Conference. But Sauce did hold his own in the college football playoff, which is commendable. But I do think Stingley as a prospect and his tape is a bit more impressive just based upon the fact that he's had to go against your Jamison Williams types, your Jerry Judys. Like Alabama's had top first-round receivers for the last half decade, and Stingley's gone against the top guys that Alabama's been putting out year after year over the last three years. Yeah, that's that's fair. I can definitely understand that. So we got four right. We got Sauce Gardner going to uh, the Jets, which was I still still he's a good player, so it's a good pick for the Jets. I think that was kind of a a known pick that that was going to happen. Um, so we had Evan Neal going to the Giants. The Giants, the Giants did what we thought they were going to do, just in reverse order. So well, the thing with this, the thing with how this shook out for us was we thought that Icky was going three, so we thought Stingley would be there whenever it came down to the Giants being able to pick. Because if Stingley isn't there, I think we do lean cave on for the Giants Mm -hmm. at five or seven. So the Giants had that they did what they had to do with two top ten picks. They got – I think they did great. They got two guys that were essentially top three picks before last month. Like, Kayvon came out of the season. He was arguably the first overall pick. Like, halfway mm-hmm. through the Heisman calendar, Kayvon was talked about as, like, this year's can't-miss prospect. And Evan Neal, was he was mocked as high as first overall before the combine and stuff went down. So, great job by – I don't I forget who the uh, GM is out there currently, but they, they put on a show for their fans. Yeah. If I were a Giants fan, I would be ecstatic after that first round. Yeah, so they they took um, Kayvon Thibodeau, which is a great pick there. So that leaves the Panthers to take the best tackle available, which was EK, um, which makes sense. We had them yep. taking the best tackle available to them at the time. But since it became Ekem, then that was the perfect pick for Carolina. Um, yeah. I know some people thought they were going to go quarterback, but I just couldn't see it at six. I feel like especially yeah. with Ekem falling to them at six. The best option, the, the the only way I saw Carolina getting a quarterback is if the Chargers were stupid aggressive and traded up to the sixth spot in yeah. an effort to get that other side tackle to pair with Rashawn right. Slater, which I'm happy they didn't because we would have had to sacrifice more capital down the line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, unless a team was just really like pining for one of these tackle prospects, there was no way the Panthers were going to get anything aside from one of the top tackles because Kenny Pickett or whoever you wanted at pick six would have been the reach of this decade. It it just mm-hmm. the value would not have been there. It would have set them back five more years. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we had Ekem go to the Panthers, and then the Giants do take Evan Neal. They take the best tackle available to them at that point mm-hmm. at seven. So good pick for them. Um close on the Eagles, they took Drake London instead of Jamison Williams. Um Falcons. <laughs> 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 I know the Eagles are on your mind after that first round. I totally get it. No, the, the the thing about the Drake London pick, in hindsight, 
it makes a lot of sense for them to go with a guy like Drake London, especially if they have Kyle Pitts out there. I thought they would value a guy like Jamison Williams, which, to be fair, NFL franchises did value Jamison Williams to the point where I thought they would, as you'll see later in the draft. Um, his injury just seemed to be a bit too much at that spot. A top 10 pick, it's hard to pick a guy who isn't coming off of a healthy college season. He's recovering from an ACL tear. They need a guy that they can slot in that's going to be playing whenever week one hits because Calvin Ridley suspended for the year and mm-hmm. this team doesn't have a lot of weapons. So Drake London, I'm not sold on USC receivers most of the time, but he's physical. He can catch at the high point of the ball and he's physically imposing. I heard a lot of people comparing him to like Mike Evans in terms of build. So it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons use Drake London. And I Mm -hmm. think this year will be cool to watch him and Kyle Pitts. But if Ridley's going to be a part of their future, I think a combination of he, Drake London, and Pitts could be lethal if they get the right quarterback behind center. Yeah, I'm not sure Marcus Mariota is going to be the guy to unlock all three of these guys. But we'll see. Yeah, 100%. It'll be a lot lot of like run pass options for uh, not run pass options. just option plays in general for Marcus Mariota. So it'll if be it even is Marcus come week one, it's going to be an True. open competition at this point after the third yeah. round. So then the Seahawks ended up taking uh, Charles Cross, which is the best tackle available to them. That's a good pick since we had him taking Kayvon. Kayvon did not fall that far. Um, Cross is a fine pick for them. I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, but he'll be Drew Locke, baby. on one side. Oh, yeah, Drew, Drew Locke. Locke, baby. Or Geno Smith. Existed. They're sold oh, on that guy, it looks great. like. Drew, Drew Locke has some potential, according to Pete Carroll. Oh, oh, according to Pete Carroll. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another can't miss uh, lock it in from the makeshift managers, Garrett Wilson at 10. Um, yeah, Zach nailed Wilson, that one. He, he has to throw to somebody, and especially after Drake London had gone. Um, I think the Jets knew they had to get their guy if they valued a receiver over everybody else in this class. And I thought yep. Garrett Wilson was the number one receiver in the class. And then Jamison Williams was my number two. So getting Wilson here as the second receiver off of the board is great value in my eyes. Uh, Wilson was stellar at Ohio State, and I think he's going to be a good pro. He gets uh, sl- he gets slated into a receiving room featuring guys like Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, along with a guy like Braxton Berrios. The Jets could be onto something. They had a really good first yep. round this year, and if they can protect Zach Wilson, and if Michael Carter stays healthy, Zach Wilson is staying upright, and Brees Hall is what everyone's coining him to be in fantasy football uh, spheres, the Jets could be really surprising. I'm not saying a division mm-hmm. winner or even a playoff team, but they're going to win more games than you would think because they've they've got pieces now. Yeah, Uh I posted for the podcast a couple of days ago who won the first round, and you got people saying you got Detroit, the Jets. Uh, we'll get to the Eagles in a second. Um, Houston had a pretty good, uh, pretty good draft. Um, just all around, a lot of the bad teams ended up picking really well in this draft. I think and filled a lot of needs that they need. I don't know if any. I don't think any of these top five teams really will be moving significantly, but they made great progress towards it. Uh, at yeah. 11, the Saints moved up to grab Chris Olave. Uh, with Jameis Winston at quarterback, you don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be there for you or not. I don't hate it. I like it. You got to get younger. And you, with an organization like the Saints, you have to get younger and you have to get cheaper. 
just because yeah. you have so many big contracts and you have so much money against the hard cap. This mm-hmm. team has to make it work immediately or it's going to have to get torn down. So I think Olave is the highest upside pick here. Obviously, Jamison yeah. Williams is a he's more of a burner on routes, but Olave's route running and uh, degree in which he can create separation will be great paired alongside of Michael Thomas if he can actually stay healthy and play football this year. Um, it's a solid. I will say pick. we did have Chris Olave to the Saints, just not at we eleven. Did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we 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 were uh, hot on the trail of Chris Olave being the Saints guy, so they got their guy. Um, and I don't think they had to give up too much to actually go get him. This is a team that postured themselves extremely aggressively throughout the entirety of the draft process. So seeing them move up during the rush of receivers, as we see now. It makes right. complete sense. I think there was far more going on in the background that the Saints knew if we don't move up, this guy's probably not going to be there whenever we actually get the chance to pick him up. And then at 12, the Lions move up to grab Jamison Williams. Um, I love this pick. I love, I love it because, yeah. A, it is a distinct possibility that the Eagles at 13, I guess the Eagles weren't at 13 at that point, but you were coming up on teams who could take a wide receiver you went and got your guy who kind of, I wouldn't say he fell to 12. I mean, the the wide receiver, the top three or four wide receivers are really good. So it's kind of a pick of the litter in the sense when you're in the spot that those teams were. And then Detroit went and got their guy, which I thought was a strong move as well to add along with Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a breakout like second half of the season. Yeah, I think Jamison Williams, while he's not going to be suiting up week one, is going to be a really good piece for this offense because Jared Goff produced with a treasure trove of weapons in L.A., and I'm not saying Jared Goff is going to win the the uh, Lions' Super Bowl anytime soon, but you give him weapons, he will produce, and they really have a treasure chest of like talented individuals on that offense starting this year. You've got... Yeah. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, DJ Chark. This is a unit that should be able to move the ball. And after that offensive line got shored up with a pick in Panay Sewell and you have guys like Frank Ragnow, their offense should be able to actually put drives together and their defense is slowly but surely improving. Um, the Lions, they got their guy, and I respect them for that. I don't think there was going to be anybody at 32 that was going to be worthy of like the receiver pick there so they Mm -hmm. wanted to improve the offense which i think is commendable to a certain extent because they're not going to have the opportunity to get a top three receiver prospect in the coming years especially if they're trying to target a quarterback if they're that bad yeah um and then the eagles at 13 uh grab jordan davis i think that's a strong move because i think fletcher cox is towards the end of his time in Philadelphia, maybe even towards the end of the time of his career, especially in terms of in production. So I think a defensive tackle works out really well for them. I love the swap between Houston and Philly right here. Yeah. Because Houston, they have no need for Jordan Davis. Houston could have used a guy like Kyle Hamilton, and they got panned at 15 for taking Kenyon Green. But to be frank, to be as frank as humanly possible, the Texans going Kenyon Green here is not a bad pick. Because... Mm-hmm. Aside from Kenyon Green, they would then have to go for a guy like Trevor Penning on the offensive line, who just isn't the value play there at that Mm -hmm. pick. So I like them getting Kenyon Green. Um, As a Chargers fan, we went with the guard pick as well in Zion Johnson, which I think was an amazing pick, as unbiased Mm -hmm. as humanly possible. But 
Yeah, getting well, getting you know, switching. You and I, you and I went huge. back and forth last week on we yeah. took Devontae Wyatt, but it was very close to grabbing a guard at the same time. It was like yeah. both needs to both needs need to be filled, but we're just not sure which one will be filled by the Chargers in that specific yep. moment. We went Wyatt, they went the best guard available, and I think that was more than fine. Yeah. Because Kenyon Green is probably going to be able to slot in for this Houston team and be a starter at the very least for the next 10 years. And especially with a team that isn't super sold on the quarterback and their perimeter weapons aren't the best. You got a guy in Marlon Mack out there. You have some depth at the running back spot. If you have somebody in between the tackles that can actually move people around and create holes, it's good for NFL offenses to establish the run. So it's a very organic way to build this team. And after the whole – uh Bill O'Brien fiasco of trading everything for pennies on the dollar. I like to see the Texans moving in a, in a uh, motivated and like it, their structure in the direction that they're heading. They have a plan, which is what I haven't seen from them in a couple of years. So then it, you got Kyle Hamilton going to the Ravens at 14. Really good pick for them. Same Love that. Value. They lost. Love uh, well, they picked up Marcus Williams in the offseason. So now you have a tandem in that safety group where you can run yeah. these guys too high, one low. Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton immediately is one of the best safety duos in football. And if you get Marcus Peters and uh, what the hell is his name? Marcus Peters and. What's the other corner? Um, Marlon Humphrey. Oh. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah if yeah. Marcus and Marlon are healthy come next year, that that secondary for Baltimore is going to be really good. Really physical and really good. So, yeah, yeah, I love they just need to dodge injuries. They can be easily in a- the AFC, or- AFC North champions. They could be pushing for an AFC championship if everything yeah. goes right. Granted, Hollywood Brown got traded, but who knows what's going to happen. So then, yeah, we got Kenyon Green, like we talked about at 15. Jahan Dotson to the Commanders at 16. I don't nah. particularly love that pick, but I, I get I. There's a lot going on with Terry McLaurin, so I don't know if he's suiting up Week One for the Commanders. So if you need another wide receiver in that situation for Carson Wentz, fine, I guess. But I feel like there was more problems to be solved on the defensive side of the ball. But we'll see how it works out for him. They traded back once, and I just I feel like Dotson, while he is a burner type and he's very fast, they probably could have traded back again if somebody else was trying to reach for somebody. I just didn't like the yeah. value at 16 going with Jahan Dotson, um, but that's just me. We'll see how it pans out. Obviously, Terry's yeah. probably going to want a King's Ransom moving forward, mm-hmm. as he deserves, but yeah, Dotson wasn't my favorite pick of this draft by any means. Uh, you got Zion Johnson, like we talked about, 17 of the Chargers. Uh, 18, we had the Eagles taking Drake London, but actually instead they drafted A.J. Brown, um, basically. That, so, Firstly, I commend both sides of this deal 100%. A.J. Brown wanted a lot of money. The Titans mm-hmm. gave Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry a lot of money. So A.J. Brown, sadly, your time has come. They flip A.J. Brown in this deal, and they get a receiver who a lot of people were thinking the uh, Niners could have targeted if they were to have traded Debo Samuel in this draft mm-hmm. and Traylon Burks. He showcases a lot of that physicality that guys like A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel possess. And while it will not be an apples-to-apples apples comparison or even uh, slotting of individual players, the Eagles get the best receiver out of all the players exchanged in the entirety of this draft. 
And the Titans have a guy on a rookie contract that we believe, at least in my opinion, could fill up to 85 85 to maybe 90% of what A.J. Brown gave you, especially with A.J. Brown's health history. I think Burks is going to slot in extremely well for this Tennessee offense. And Yeah, so I mean, you look at at A.J. Brown, he's 24 years old. He missed a couple games last year. He missed a couple games the year before that. Uh, I mean, he's still an outstanding wide receiver, whatever you want about the health, but I think both sides did very well. Like The Titans got rid of money. They were probably never going to be able to spend and got a a very good wide receiver in Trey Lumbergs. And the Eagles basically took – AJ Brown and immediately knew they were going to extend him, extended him for four years, yep. gave him the money he wanted because it's different if the Eagles were to not give him an extension and try to have like this one year rental of being like, okay, you were barely a playoff team last year. Why are you going to try and push for a Super Bowl and take such a big, you know, run at AJ Brown if you're not going to extend him? But the extension is huge for them. They have Devonta oh, yeah. Smith, AJ Brown. It's one of the and, most. Yeah. I, lo- I love the pairing because the thing was going into this offseason for the Eagles, nobody is sold on Miles Sanders. Devonta Smith had a very solid rookie year. Jalen mm-hmm. Rager has been a complete bust. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has been the worst draft pick in Eagles history over the last 10 years. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with anyone about that. And they weren't sold on Jalen Hurts. Dallas Goddard yeah. got the extension. They flipped Zach Hurts. This front office understood the assignment to a T. Whenever you're a franchise that can't draft wide receivers, you know what you do? You trade for the best one available, and it's what they did, (laughs) aside from a guy like Debo Samuel. But Debo is a whole other bag of tricks in terms of the diversity and how he plays. Debo probably doesn't fit the offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. But Philadelphia needed a true number one guy, and if you're talking about Austin, you know I'm one of the biggest A.J. Brown truthers that you know. So I love A.J. going to them. The compliment between Mm -hmm. him and Devonta Smith – I think translates immediately because Devonta Smith is an undersized wide receiver with impeccable route running and great hands. AJ Brown's a fucking Mack truck, dude. He is so (laughs) physical. It is insanely impressive. He single-handedly beat the 49ers last season in one of the games that the Titans probably shouldn't have won. If it weren't for guys like AJ Brown, the Titans wouldn't have even been close to the one seed last year. So pro football reference has AJ Brown at 6'1", 226. He's an, absolute tank at wide receiver and it makes the Eagles so much harder to cover and I think it helps Miles Sanders and now it's putting the pressure on Jalen Hurts and if he cannot produce they know what to do moving forward it's the same idea as like what happened with Tua this year that got him Tyreek Hill and I think it's refreshing that these teams that are saying hey we have this rookie scale contract even if we aren't sold on the guy we have to act now and as a team that has that rookie contract and a guy that we trust and we love and Justin Herbert, it changes the context a bit. But seeing other teams actually invest in these rookie-scaled uh, guys, it just makes the most sense. And I think it's the way the NFL has to adapt and move forward. Right. And you already addressed the other side of the ball by drafting Jordan Davis even before this. So Exactly. They got, you got, you got somebody who you already know what you're going to get. Yeah. They, they, they picked up. In any of the thing is, if Jordan Davis went to any other college and he was able to be like a three down player for his career, I think he would have been an easy top 10 pick. The biggest Mm -hmm. problem with a guy like Jordan Davis was the fact that he was on the best defense in college football and they rotated their guys exponentially. It was a constant rotation of their defensive players because they were so deep and so talented. That's why Trayvon Walker was getting scoffed out at the number one pick in certain circles. He just didn't have that elite production because he was rotated out because they were that good. 
the intangibles of a Jordan Davis are things that nobody of my generation has ever seen. And so it'll be interesting to see how he pans out. But just on paper, this dude pops. And I find it really hard to believe that Jordan Davis will not be an all-pro caliber interior defensive lineman. He is too big to fail. So then you got the Saints taking Trevor Penning at 19. It's fine. Um, we had that go. Famous. We had that happening. We, we had Penning going to the Saints all along. It's just we swapped the a little picks later. A little yeah. <laughs> uh, we had Malik Willis at 20. We were correct about the position, but Pittsburgh takes the hometown kid in Kenny Pickett. It makes so much sense. I hate it. It really, it really does. I don't like the it's pick just... for the upside of it. Right. But I, it makes complete sense. Kenny Pickett's played in Pittsburgh. He knows the climate of the area. He's even played in the stadium for the last couple of years. And he's charismatic as shit. Um, out of all the yeah. quarterbacks in this draft, he was the most Baker Mayfield-esque in terms of just – on paper or on film, you look at him, you're like, damn, that dude's like, <laughs> as the internet says, the quirked up white boy goater with the sauce. That's Kenny Pickett. He's, he's got charisma. He, he can lead men as a lot of NFL front offices like to look at things. But I, I just didn't feel there were a lot of first round talents at quarterback this year. And those yeah. feelings were vindicated as the later rounds went on. But congratulations to Kenny for getting to stay local at the very least. Uh, 21, the Kansas City Chiefs move up and draft Trent McDuffie. Uh, I, I think that's a solid. I hated this. Real, Not like because as a Charger fan? As a Charger fan, I hate okay. it because they just <laughs> lost uh, Javarius Ward. And they right. really just said, okay, cool. We lost our uh, more expensive corner. We just got one of the best this draft had to offer, aside yep. from the top guys. So great pick on their part for team building. Green Bay moves up to 22 and drafts Quay Walker. Uh, we had him in the I first. Felt- I it felt like they didn't need to move up for it. Yeah. Well, the, he was the first linebacker taken, which is the most surprising part. But a big thing about Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd throughout this entire process was they're both a little undersized. Quay Walker leaves no questions to being undersized. He's massive and he hits hard. So I like the pick for Green Bay. Um, it, it It is what it is. They probably could have gotten him a little bit later in this draft, mm-hmm. but I agree. There, there's a theme with their draft picks in the first round. It starts with the G and ends with an A. So <laughs> they got their guy at the very least. So I can respect it. I think Quay Walker should be an impact kind of guy, at least day one in terms of being able to stop the run and be physical. Right. Um, The Buffalo bills move up to 23 and get Kyer Elam. I guess they, I saw some video of uh, like their meeting with Kyer and he Literally handed him a notebook of like, here's every big play we gave up. Here's what I could have done better. Here's what we could have done better. I want to get better. And I was like, it sounds like this meeting went really well if they moved up to go get them. And I like the I like the pick a lot for them. Yeah, I think um, Baltimore knew what they wanted and they had their list of guys. And whenever their guys continued to slide, they said, okay, cool. Uh, you want to move up? Here's our pick. And I think it's a good pickup by Buffalo. Kair Elam was one of the better corners in this draft class as well, aside from the sauce and Stingley paradox that we saw in the first top 10 picks. Yeah, Elam was a really good player. Um, If the Chargers wanted to improve that uh, secondary, Austin saw my mental breakdowns occur as uh, Hamilton continued to slide. And I was like, if we pair him and Derwin James, geez, that would just be gross. So thank you to the Baltimore Ravens thing here we have the, had the Cardinals at 23 then it changed to the Ravens as Marquise Brown 
becomes a Arizona Cardinal. And then mm-hmm. the Ravens end up moving back with Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I'll, I, I, go go for it. Okay. Yeah. No. So my biggest thing about the whole Elon pick is it makes a lot of sense. Um, Tredavious White went down last year and their secondary couldn't stop anything whenever it came to that Kansas City game. So their safeties in uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both really good, like all pro level safeties. And I just think they're better suited to get those perimeter guys to stop receivers because the offense proved last year they can keep up with damn near anybody. So it's time to just invest in the perimeter defense to try and slow everybody down as best as you can because you already have the uh, edge threats and a guy like Rousseau last year who has the wingspan of it's ridiculous how long his arms are. And then you have Vaughn Miller who you just added. So yeah, secondary help was in my opinion, number one on the list for the bills. So they got a guy that I think is good value. Cowboys at 24. We had them taking Linderbaum. The more I looked at it, the more I understood um, why they drafted Tyler Smith. Um, I think that the need at center was there, but the need at tackle was much more glaring for the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, Tyler Smith felt like a reach to a lot of people, which it could have been. We'll see the biggest thing about Tyler Smith. He's a freak of nature in terms of size, power and all that. He's just undisciplined. He'll hold a lot. Hey, he just, he isn't quite there yet in terms of like the NFL IQ in terms of how to block those edge rushers. And he'll be dealing with some tough edge rushers in the NFC East, especially when he probably has to take on Kayvon and mm. chase young and i can't think of who the eagles edge rushers are right now but either way um it's tough because we were already a heavily penalized team especially in terms of holding we've lost Leo yeah. collins and connor williams our line is looking a little makeshift this year uh so it'll be interesting to see um i do like some of our later picks which i'll get to but um you look at the tackles, you know, Bernard Raymond and we had Tyler Smith going at 27. So um, it's a, it's a fine pick. It It's not, it's not going to get an A plus. It's not going to get like a D it, it's a, it's a decent pick and I hope it works out for us. Obviously uh, if Tyron Smith can stay healthy, then we'll have two really good sides of the line. As long as Tyler Smith is able to work with Dan Quinn more on, not Dan Quinn, what the hell am I saying? Um, <laughs> work on our line coaches of just, you know, being like, don't grab the jersey, brother. Like, I'm begging you, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, the Tyler Smith pick in live action felt a lot worse than it feels about four days later. Yeah. We had Tyler it, Smith going to the Bucks three picks later in our mock. So it was more so Linderbaum still being on the board that felt like it was just stark, like, what the hell just happened? Right. But – Tackle is a very important position for any football team. And with a team like the Cowboys that lost a guy in Leal Collins, you need to try and plug that hole as soon as you can, especially with the contracts you've given out for your roster. Right. You have to get younger and better on the line or else none of this is going to work moving forward, especially with CD lamb getting older and going to eventually want your AJ Brown money. If he continues to produce, it made a lot of sense. The window for mm-hmm. the Cowboys is now and Tyler Smith helps them more immediately than Linderbaum would have. Uh, speaking of Linderbaum, he goes at 25 to the Ravens. Really good pick for the Ravens. Like that a they lot. Just, <laughs> they just don't miss. Like the they whole don't. meme of like uh, Jesse from Walter from Walter White from Breaking Bad. He can't keep getting away with it. Like that's what the <laughs> Ravens were doing for the entire first round. It was just yeah. hit after hit. Yeah, they did really well this draft. They were definitely one of the winners that came up a lot in um, in the tweet. Um, at, tw- at 26, 
26, love this move. Loved it, loved it, loved it. The Jets moved up and drafted Jermaine Johnson. Um, We had him falling, and when we posted this, people didn't think he would fall to 28 like we had him. Um, We were vindicated for sure. We were vindicated, and also he just got lost in the notes, but there's so much... Most of the guys we've gone through are very talented, and Jermaine Johnson yeah. is just as talented, and he was arguably the best edge rusher on the market, but Trayvon and Hutchinson were the first couple, and then you had Kayvon. Yeah. Um, I love this move by the Jets. They went out and got their third guy in the first round, and it significantly upgrades. They significantly upgraded every position that they needed to. They have a great lockdown corner. They have a great edge rusher and they have a good receiver wide receiver. My biggest thing about this move, and it's the biggest reason why I had them taking sauce Gardner is I genuinely felt the drop off from Gardner and Stingley to your guys like McDuffie, Elam and Booth was a greater drop off than cave on to Jermaine Johnson. And the fact that Jermaine fell this far is a testament to the scouting department for the New York Jets, or just I don't know how he slipped that far in terms of just overall talent. I yeah. think it was just a lot of fit things for these rosters and these teams mm-hmm. because a lot of the teams after your top 10, they didn't immediately need pass rushing help. Genuinely, every right. team's either added a guy in free agency or they have younger guys on their defensive lines. And yeah, if he didn't go to the Jets right there, I thought the Packers were going to just hit the send button on that pick immediately as soon as it came through. But yeah, Jermaine Johnson to the Jets is a very, it's one, it's arguably one of the best picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think the value on that pick is insane. Yeah. But yeah, that's why, that's why they were big first round winners for me. They were one, my, yeah. at the top of the list. They were the number one team that won the first round. Like I they, get it. We'll see in a couple of years if they did exactly win, but at current moment, it feels like they won big time. They arguably got the best players at their position with their first two picks. And then they got a top five guy in all of the edge defenders in this draft. And that's the craziest part is the guy that we had going before Jermaine Johnson went after him to a team that I think is going to didn't pay a lot to move up. That was a thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was basically, they skipped a rock and they wound up in the 26 spot. Yep. Then speaking of moving up. The Jaguars moved up to 27 for Devin Lloyd. Love that pick. Love that pick. Um, They already had Edge and uh, Josh Allen out there in Jacksonville. They've got Trayvon Walker. Now you have a a linebacker in Devin Lloyd, who was arguably one of the most impressive linebackers in football last year, leading that Utah defense that was arguably fighting for a national championship for a lot of the year. They were the best team in the Pac-12. And I think Devin Lloyd, in terms of just an overall linebacker, is one of the better overall linebackers in the class. He's not the hardest hitter, not the best tackler. He's decent in coverage. But I think he's going to be an impact type of linebacker for this Jacksonville team. And I think it's a really good fit. Uh, the Packers at 28 today take Devontae Wyatt, another solid guy on the defensive side. I yep. Granted, as much as they need to upgrade wide receiver, there was probably going to be one in the second. Most of them were gone at this point yep. where they take Devontae Wyatt. And they'll probably at this point, once again, take some in the second, third round where there's that depth kind of talent that they need. Like 
Yeah. They don't have their star number one, but it feels like Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a star number one to be successful. It's just he's had Devontae Adams for so long. That's just what it's been. So I think Devontae yeah. White is still a fine pick regardless. He he was a guy that could have gone top 15, but yeah. there was a lot of off the field stuff in terms of uh yeah, I'm not gonna get into the details, but there was some off the field concerns that uh front offices had with Devontae Wyatt, and yeah. it showed in his slide. Because coming out of the uh, combine, people were like, actually, they were liking Devontae Wyatt even as much as they were liking Jordan Davis in terms of this interior defensive lineman class. But as we see, um, the uh, the gap between Wyatt and Davis on draft boards was far greater than even we imagined. So the slide, the slide happened, and it was pretty great. But I think he's got a really good home in Green Bay. I think he'll be really good on that defensive line, especially with uh, – yeah. They still have Preston Smith, if I'm correct, or it's Darius. It's one of them. They let one of them go to the Minnesota. But one of them Smiths. Yeah, one of the Smiths is still out in Green Bay. Uh, My Colt. What? This is the strangest pick in all of the draft. My least favorite. Seriously, no He's, pun intended. But this is yeah. a very strange pick. This watch Cold this guy strange. turn. Watch this dude turn into like Logan Mankins or something. Watch him. <laughs> watch him become a Hall of Famer, and we're just sitting here like, "Fuck, I'm an idiot." That's what Bill Belichick does. Um, I'm not sold on it. He'll have to prove me wrong. Uh, he's earned the cachet to do something like this. But in the first round, this just felt really off base. Especially whenever you see this next pick right after Cole Strange. I don't get how the Patriots don't go after Karloftis and pair him with Matt Judon. It just made so much sense. And now I have to deal with George Karloftis in the AFC West. So it makes even worse sense to me. Because... <laughs> Man, <laughs> feels bad. <laughs> yeah, so George Karloff, Karloffis, Kar, George K, yeah, um, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs at 30. Uh, a great pick by Kansas now, City. One of the to best power rushers in all of the class. And I just think he didn't have the uh, finesse and speed of a lot of teams they want on the edge. Right. We but had him going pretty early, but yeah. he still went in the first round where we kind of expected him to go. Kansas City now has Frank Clark, who I think is a pretty good speed edge rusher. He's got some power to him, but Karloftis is going to be that other side complement of just bull rushing dudes. And if you have Chris Jones in the middle, you could even slide Karloftis kind of interior with him and do like a one-two type game. If I'm an offensive lineman in the AFC West, Kansas City just got a little more interesting. Everybody, everybody's got a yeah. pass rush. Yep. Uh, at 31, we had Kyer Elam going to the Bengals, but he fell or didn't fall. He went to the Buffalo Bills. So Bengals take Daxton Hill. I think that's a really solid pick for them as well. Um, they don't have a ton of holes to fill, but I think Daxton Hill is a great safety pick for them. He's also um, very versatile. From what I saw on his tape and a lot of the stuff, a lot of the discourse around him, he could play some slot corner. Like he could play around the secondary. He's not just like a. a steadfast safety so their secondary was good their defense was great for most of the playoffs but eli apple is not a guy that i'm super confident in week in and week out being the shutdown guy so the more depth you have in that secondary the better because the more guys you can throw at receivers the better off you're going to be especially whenever it comes to later in the year the more talent you can have on the perimeter the better off you're going to be at 32, you had the Minnesota Vikings who just kept moving back all night long. Uh, they mm-hmm. take uh, they take safety Luis Keenan. Luis Seen. 
scene. Yeah, I feel like that could go many ways. Uh, they have to replace Harrison Smith at some point. Um, so this is a good depth pick for them. I don't know really where else they could have gone at 32. So I think this is a fine pick for them as well. They yeah, obviously think... have to fix their defense. That was their biggest yeah. problem. Minnesota was smart. They they just kept moving back and getting more capital because we had them taking uh, Dev. We had them taking Devin Lloyd, and honestly, in real time, it felt like a stretch for sure. Lloyd yeah. is good, but at number twelve, looking back on it, there's better picks to be had, and they weren't sold on any of these guys, and that's good for them. They have an overall yeah. decent to good roster. It's just. Yeah. They didn't want to reach for any of the people that they weren't sold on. And I think Lewis Seen was a starting safety on the best defense in college football. He's obviously talented. And I think even with Harrison, Harrison Smith there, he's going to be able to give Harrison some rest and maybe he'll be able to actually play alongside Harrison moving forward. It's it's good depth, good talent, and good value. Here's like the only thing. They were sitting at 12. Yeah. They could have had Kyle Hamilton if they really wanted a safety. But would have there's a lot of concerns about Kyle Hamilton as an athlete. He ran a okay. slow 40. Hit a lot of his testing stuff at the combine was not what people expected it to be. His production was amazing. His on-field tape looks amazing. Instincts are great for Kyle Hamilton, but he just did not pass a lot of these combine tests. He had a slow 40, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff, teams were just like, wow, we didn't expect that out of him. And as you said before, the drop-offs at certain positions are far greater. In, in regards to tiers, Lewis scene is still in that like one B tier of your safeties in this draft. It was obviously one A as Kyle Hamilton and then Daxton Hill and Lewis scene were the next two off of the board. So as a chargers fan, we got JT woods in the third round. So if they were to have drafted a JT woods at 32, for sure, I don't know what the hell their scouting department's doing, but scene right here, especially whenever we had them, the 32 spot taking a guy like Quay Walker, I do think the value solid, the player's going to be good. And I just think it's a smart pick, especially for what their defense has and needs. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like Detroit probably offered them a decent amount because I think Detroit yep. really wanted to go get Jamison Williams. The second they saw he was available. hundred percent. And whenever a team's willing to jump that high, they're giving up some solid capital. So. Yeah. So we'll move back to here. Um, got about 15 minutes before we're going to get on out of here. So we'll give you the floor for a few minutes. Ray, how do you feel your Chargers did through the draft all around? Okay. So as we've said before, uh, Zion Johnson at 17. I was not super high on this guy. Um, I'm looking up the full draft results right now. I wasn't super high on Zion Johnson just because guards aren't necessarily the flashy pick in any given year of the NFL draft. But I knew it was a spot that the Chargers definitively needed to improve. Like, it was just the way that it had to be. Um, I'm happy we got the guard in Zion Johnson. He was apparently, like, our number six guy on our big board in terms of, like, the Chargers front office. So any year you can go out at pick 17 and get a guy in the top 10 of your big board is massive. So I'm happy we didn't have to uh, use up a lot of our assets moving forward, especially after trading a second rounder this year for Khalil Mack. And we're still going to have our first rounders moving forward. Because we could have easily said, no, give me Charles Cross and traded all the way up into the top 10 and said, we're going to go ahead and try to do this. They showed a lot of restraint. They showed a lot of discipline. And I think 
I was very happy with it. We didn't have th- this is the third. This is like the third straight year. Of the tra- no, this is like the, this is about a half decade of Chargers brilliance on the fact that we have not had to trade. We have not had to trade up for our guy. Derwin James fell to us at 17. We got Joey Bose as a top five pick, but we earned that top five pick. Justin Herbert fell to pick six. We got Rayshon Slater at pick 13, and now Zion Johnson at pick 17. If there's one thing that I have learned through the last half decade of Chargers football, good things tend to come to those who wait. Tom Telesco has drafted extremely well in the first round, especially whenever we have not traded up. Because... The value of those players is then inherently more because we didn't give up more to get them. So as cool as it would have been to pair Charles Cross on the opposite side of a guy like Rayshon Slater, having Slater and a different left guard, and then you have Zion Johnson at right guard, and we fixed tackle either in undrafted free agency, or we drafted a later uh, offensive lineman out of Georgia. Uh, his name is Jamari Saylor, he played guard primarily, but he played all five positions on the line. But he's going to be in competition, I think, to be right alongside Slater because he was our sixth-round pick. And so we actually traded a seventh-rounder or two seventh-rounders for an extra sixth-rounder in this draft. So essentially that Cleo Mack trade went from a second and sixth to a second and two sevenths. So we went Zion Johnson round one. Round three, we got JT Woods, safety out of Baylor. A lot of ball hawking type potential. Um, pairing him with a guy like Derwin James and Nasir Adderley, it's really good depth. Whenever Derwin can't play, our safety group looks rather thin. So I'd much rather have JT Woods backing up Nasir and Derwin because, like I said before, the more bodies you can have in that defensive back group, the better off you're going to be. It's just a war of attrition most years. Round four, um, I knew the Chargers wanted to get a running back to back up Austin Eckler. We've had a really tough time figuring out somebody to give him rest. They got a guy in Isaiah Spiller who really, in my opinion, was one of the top five backs in this draft, give or take. I thought they were going to wait till picks rounds five or six to try and get that running back prospect. But Isaiah Spiller is a guy that balled out at Texas A&M for his college career, and I'm really happy to see that we got that guy in round four. He's an insane value at that pick. Round five, we got a defensive tackle in Otito uh, Ogbonia. Guy from UCLA, local kid. He's played in L.A. before. I expect him to join that defensive line group with guys like Jerry Tillery, um, Sebastian Joseph Day. We also have Austin Johnson. He's going to slot right in there with this platoon of huge bodies that we're going to try and plug up the holes in terms of the run game. He should fit in really well. Like I said, Jeremy Saylor, huge bodied man out of Georgia. National champion, played everywhere on their offensive line. There was tape that I saw of him actually blocking Aiden Hutchinson in the national championship semifinal. He was holding his own. He's a very, very big dude. And so if he can move people and open up holes for the running game, I'm all for it. We got two massive guys at guard in this draft, and Zion and Sailor. Zion is by far arguably the best guard prospect in the draft, so happy at 17. But getting value out of a guy like Sailor in round six, is amazing. Then we go on this little run. We drafted back-to-back corners in round the back half around six, top half around seven, and Jasir Taylor from Wake Forest and Dean Leonard from Ole Miss. Depth is great to have. We brought in J.C. Jackson. Asante Samuel Jr. is going to continue to develop. And then we got Xander Horvath out of Purdue in our last pick at the draft. More depth for that running back room. Justin Jackson's going to get paid eventually. Joshua Kelly has been a disaster 
on most fronts in terms of him being helpful to this team. And Larry Roundtree was never really going to be a future piece. So all in all, I'm very happy with the draft. We didn't have to sacrifice future capital to maximize the returns in this class. And while it is not the flashiest or doesn't have the most top-end talent, this draft itself I'm happy with because it fills the needs that we have and it it's projecting for needs we may need we may need to fill in the future. Because Eckler got paid as a running back, and I'm not saying Austin Eckler will be cooked in the next three years, but it's important as an NFL franchise to surround a great back with surrounding talent. Look at Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. If you don't have a compliment to your star back, things can get bad really quickly, especially if you've paid the star back. So I'm all aboard the Eckler train, but Isaiah Spiller mm-hmm. is great depth to give him a break once in a while. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of the, the Cowboys, they obviously we talked about Tyler Smith at round one. They took Sam Williams in round two, super solid steal at 56 for them. Great linebacker, going to be a great edge rusher along with Tank Lawrence out there. Um, Jalen Tol- Tolbert in round three. Uh, this is a solid pick for us because we kind of need our Cedric Wilson we basically need that slot filled for us. We'll have Michael Gallup. I don't think we'll have him at the start of the year, but we'll have C.D. Lamb. Um, I think Dalton Schultz will be a really huge guy in the offense. Um, but I think uh, Jalen Ferguson, Jalen Tolbert, sorry, I got mixed with our fourth round pick. Uh, Jalen Tolbert would be a solid guy for us to be kind of either in the slot or kind of be that depth wide receiver that we need. Um, Jake Ferguson will be a great backup tight end now that we uh, kind of lost all hope with Blake Jarwin and his injuries. Um, and then we take uh, Matt Wallazeko out of North Dakota. I say it because it's uh, the site I'm reading says Decora. So go to North Decora. Um, so another solid tackles piece that we needed the most. Um, so the first five rounds address addressed solid spots that we needed and then with our uh three or no we had four fifth round picks and three of them went to defensive pieces in our round six that we got from cleveland you know for amari cooper that great sixth round pick insane value (laughs) turned into devin harper who will obviously be a hall of famer i just it's just how it works out for all of us so they addressed addressed the needs they needed in terms of death in the back half of the fifth round and got kind of the tackles they believed in. They got Sam Williams, who they felt like was a steal at the time. I was hoping for N'Kobe Dean at the time Sam Williams went, but I guess N'Kobe Dean, we talked about size, and I guess he has some injuries as well. So that's why he fell all the way to round three to the Eagles. Um, But I think overall the Cowboys, I'm not going to give them an A, but I'm not going to give them a D. I'd give them like a B minus, C plus maybe. They, They had an okay draft. It's really, this is really a draft for them that, um, I don't know too much about their picks. They didn't make any flashy picks outside of like Sam Williams, which, like I said, a lot of people were telling me was a huge steal for them. Um, so it'll see how it works out for us. I, I believe we can contend again, but we all have to win through the wild card because we can't win the NFC East two years in a row. That's just, just against just how it works. It's against the law. Yeah, I think yeah. Not to cut you off, but as an outsider looking in, I was proud of the Cowboys and how they handled the draft. Um, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones get really uh, gung-ho about the draft every year. I think they just have this countdown where it's like, let's see what we can do this year. Because you guys had some flashy drafts over the last couple of years. You got C.D. Lamb whenever he dropped. You drafted Micah Parsons last year. And that's back-to-back home home runs. 
yeah. and you can't always hit home runs like the Chargers. We've had home run hit after home run and, hit. And the thing is, this is the first time we haven't had a good line in like 15 years because exactly. we spent exactly we spent like six years in a row. First round guard, first round tackle, first round center. Like we built that line and now they're old and they're going to they're out getting paid now. Out, mm-hmm. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are left, but Tyron Smith can't stay healthy. And Zach Martin's out there fighting for his life. Well, that's the that's the biggest thing about the Chargers too, because I didn't give them an actual letter grade. I'd give them about a B plus. I can't yeah. give them an A because there's not like the super top end talent or splashy mm-hmm. picks. But like the Cowboys did, and whenever they had Tony Romo and then transitioned to Dak, they had those first round tackles. And what the Chargers are doing right now is assembling a line that's going to last, hopefully, for the tenure of Justin Herbert or mm-hmm. a little bit longer. Because we got our quarterback and we've already had the defensive pieces with Derwin and Joey Bosa coming during Phillip Rivers' tenure. And you have the you had the carryovers of Keenan Allen, Eckler, and Williams over those years as well. So it's as a fan of a team, you have to be able to ride the wave of drafts. It's always super cool whenever your team can go out and get the top name players and the biggest talents, even if they do slide. But having the foresight and the discipline to be able to take best available for your team need and fit is super important in roster building. And I think it was refreshing to see both of our franchises take that step back and say, Hey, we have our big board. Nothing's really changing that. And then outside of the whole draft in general, as we wrap up here, I think uh, Tennessee getting Malik Willis was, I think that was a really top notch pick for them. I don't know how much time Ryan Tannehill has left as a starting quarterback. And I think Malik Willis was the best quarterback available in the draft in terms of just prospect grades and all that. That's not my, that's not how it will may turn out, but we'll see. But I think that was a really great pick by Tennessee. And then uh, obviously uh, Matt Coral is going to take over week one over Sam Darnold and win work of the year. I'm not going to lie to you. I loved every quarterback pick outside of the first round because yeah. There was a case for any of the like four after Willis to go at number 32 to the Lions. I didn't see it happening. So I'm like, the Lions don't need a quarterback. Next year's when you try and reach for a quarterback. But no, yeah. Um, it was Ritter to the Falcons, Willis to the uh Titans, and then you had Corral to the, as you said, the Panthers, and mm-hmm. then Spence uh Sam Howell fucking cratered. He fell off the face of the earth for about two rounds. He was a guy that was in that tier of those same guys. The commander's got a steal in Sam Howell. Um, granted, he's going to have to develop in their franchise, but whenever you have a guy like Carson Wentz where you're not super sold, and he's definitely definitely a reclamation effort, getting a, getting a guy in Sam, in Sam Howell in the fifth round whenever teams are taking guys like Bailey's – I forget what the name of the quarterback because there was the run of quarterbacks in round three, and somebody else went before Sam Howell. And I was like, wow, that guy. Um, so I like every quarterback pick for those core the thing guys. Is, Sam Howell's the fifth round pick for the commanders. It's a super low risk. It's a, that's what I'm it's saying. A really yeah. low risk. And that's what you have to do. So for a draft where we were sitting there like, damn, what if somebody like takes quarterback and they reach, there could have been three quarterbacks taken in the first round based upon common convention in NFL drafts. Right. But it didn't happen, and it was it was really nice to see because a lot of guys that sometimes wouldn't go first round had their chance, and their name was called. So all in all, 10 out of 10 for this year's draft. It was batshit insane. I was stuck at work while it was happening. 
<laughs> so I had a TV going, and I would be like, "Oh, the pick is in." So I turned my head real quick, and then boom! I was it was it, it, any sports draft. Well, well it would say the pick is in. You have to wait 15 minutes, and then you can turn your head. <laughs> the first round took like three and a half hours. It's uh, insane how slow those things go. It's 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 so wild to me how it's always the pick is in. It's like it's been in for a while. Like I think the five teams after them have the pick is in. <laughs> if you are an NFL franchise that has the first overall pick and you do not trade out of it, I expect your pick to be in within three minutes. Nothing longer. Three seconds. You've had the last six months <laughs> to devise your plan. So figure it out. Yeah, it it's it's so wild to me how slow the draft goes sometimes. But like I get it, sponsorships, money, all this, all that. And the NFL, you know, the NFL is known for its dead time. That's just football in general. Let me tell you. But well, it it's just funny being like, all right, pick is in. So let's talk about the previous guy for fifteen minutes, and then we'll get to the pick. As everyone knows, we're eventually going to tackle the pace of play of like MLB uh, broadcasts in the games. We should be trying to figure out the pace of play in the NFL draft because <laughs> there's no action on the field. It's just dudes holding up shirts and Roger Goodell just hugging people for like four <laughs> hours straight. Oh, man. Speaking of four hours straight, we're not going to go that long. Um, we're going to get on out of here. <laughs> um, so we we – Thank you guys for watching. We just wanted to go over kind of how we did last week and, you know, we weren't going to do trades. And of course it was a wild day for teams moving back and the draft is always fun. It, it always be interesting to see how things will pan out for a lot of these teams. I'm honestly excited to see how all these quarterbacks pan out for sure. See if any of them are starters week one, especially out of Pittsburgh. I assume Mitch Trubisky will win the job, but that'll be a topic for a different time in the preseason. Yeah. It'll be interesting. That Steelers quarterback room the uh, Carolina Panthers quarterback room, Atlanta Falcons. I assume the Falcons will throw out Mariota, but I mean. Yeah, I expect out of all the quarterbacks that were drafted, Pickett probably has the best chance to start day one. I think Willis is going to sit for his first year whenever Tannehill is actually able to be cut within yep. uh, a, a solid amount of money off the cap. That's something that we'll see sooner rather than later, but a great draft. Uh, I'm just happy that, once again, I was able to take in another year of prospecting and just more talent coming into the NFL because everybody gets older, but the league, it, it gets better and stays the same. So for terms of next week, uh, Devin, surprisingly to the rest of us, has a life outside of the podcast. It's wild to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a life outside the podcast too. It's it's wild. Like we actually don't sit here all day and talk talk sports. What if I could? Um, but Devin has a life outside the podcast and will not be here next week. Um, yeah. but that's, that's fine. Life happens. Um, I'll be here. I have no idea what I'm doing yet. So stay tuned. We are here every Monday at 4 PM Pacific time talking something most likely be baseball. Talk about how April has gone and how Pablo Lopez has like a 0.39 ERA. Is oh, Cody Bellinger it. back? Question mark. <laughs> I was practicing the thumbnail. Thumbnail. <laughs> so, uh, if you, could, you don't got anything else, I was just going to say, Austin, if you're really, if you're really strapped for ideas, just do a whole manifest on how the Giants are regressing. Just do a nice <laughs> little hour spot. Just a big old Easy. whiteboard. Be like Logan Easy Webb. Four-hour show right there. <laughs> but no, that's about it for me, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for indulging our uh, draft takes. 
And, you know, um, this is our best draft uh, prospectus yet. So who knows? Maybe if we actually put in more than uh, five hours of research next year, we might actually get more right. <laughs> Jermaine Johnson, we're sorry. Jermaine, kind of. hey, dude, you're getting your bag, but we were on to something. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but speaking about caring what people say, um, Austin wants us to get out of here. So I got one word left for you. So from all the makeshift managers, Austin and myself, to everybody listening, thank you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and peace. <laughs>